Here's your host, Alex Garrett. All right, well, on Alex Garrett Podcasting, I want to, if you're in the Boston area, I want you to know there's a very important event coming up next weekend in honor of flight attendants that gave their lives on 9-11. Yes, flight attendants. We often talk about the first responders. We often talk about um, those that rushed into the building. But what about the flight attendants that tried to save the plane the best they could? And, of course, Flight 93, we saw the passengers of that plane do whatever they can to down it in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. But the flight attendant angle is something that I really uh, wanted to cover with my next guest, Paulie Paul Veneto. Paul, you are a flight attendant, and you've got a very special way to uh, remember the flight attendants 20 years later. Yes, uh, I'm uh, not a flight attendant at this moment. I was a flight attendant back then, but, uh, yep, I um, I absolutely, you know, it's funny when you just mentioned that uh, the passengers, right away everybody thinks the passengers try to take the plane back on 93, and that's that's pretty much my point. That's what I've heard for 20 years and uh, people don't realize that uh, what flight attendants do is they utilize everything they have on an aircraft. And um, and what that is is passengers. We utilize the passengers because we're, as first first responders, which they were that morning, they were the first first responders of 9-11. Uh, all of a sudden, when the pilots are gone, everybody's gone. You know, regular first responders, police and fire, when they're in trouble, they can radio for help, and they know help's coming. The difference here is these flight attendants knew there was no help coming. So they had to utilize everything they had under those conditions is extraordinary. It's just mind-boggling to me uh, that they were able to, to you know, the, the gruesomeness of what was going on up there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and they were still able to use the phones and call us on the ground and let, let us know where these terrorists were seated, uh, give us a lot of information. You know, they were overshadowed, and I understand why. Nobody's to blame the enormity of that day, but the fact is they, were, they really were the first first responders. And uh, they should have been recognized, and, and unfortunately they weren't. And, uh, and that's what I'm doing. For, and what I'm doing uh, is is uh, something that I, nobody's done before. And uh, so I, I, I wanted to get national attention because I thought it was important to reach every one of these crew members, family members, and relatives who are, that live all over this country, their nieces, well, their nephews. You know. I mean, this is so special. But let let me ask you about this cart itself i know you're pushing what a flight attendant pushes through the aisles but is there any decoration is there any kind of symbolism on the cart itself as you push it uh, on your journey here oh absolutely yes i already have it uh it's already been designed i have uh, a picture of the towers with a set of wings flight attendant wings on it with uh and each four flights american 11 flight uh united 175 american 77 and United 93 on both sides of the uh, cart. And on top of the cart are the pictures of the crew, the United crew members. Um, so, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm recognizing the pilots here and the flight attendants here, the, the flight crews of that day. And uh, they just, you know, it, it was never done. It, was, it, was, it wasn't, you know, I don't think it was done. It's just, they were overshadowed. And, and I knew five days after 9-11 that was going to happen. I just knew it. And, uh, and I was hoping that that would change as years went by. But, it didn't seem to happen, and uh, nobody's to blame for it. It's just the way it played out, but I think it's time. It's long overdue. These family members, I think they they should they should know that their family member that was on those aircraft as, as crew members should be recognized as heroes and, and, 
and not just, you know, taken out by terrorists because, you know, they stood up to these guys that, uh, without training, without military training, they stood up to them and they rallied these people and did what they could under those conditions. is mind-boggling. So, well, let's talk about but, what the emotional effects are on you because I know that you have had a lot of mental stress regarding 9-11, regarding the flight attendants 20, since 20 years. So talk about that aspect as well. Well, after 9-11, I fell into an opiate addiction, and I was prescribed pain medication for my back, and, uh, and I proceeded on a, you know opiate addiction. Uh, I lasted 10 more years flying. And, uh, you know, I know today now what, what, what happened to me was I wasn't able to process the whole thing, you know, because I was numbed out. I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know what I was going on, but, uh, you know, I, I was living 9-11 every day. I got out of the airplane for 10 years. Every time I stepped out of the airplane, I was waiting for it to happen again. And uh, how I held it together is truly a miracle. How I come out of it is truly a miracle, really, that I uh, was able to turn my life around. And um, So I'm, I'm just grateful that, you know, I just happen to be the one that's doing it. That's all. That's all it is. I'm just the one that's doing it. But I'm grateful that I came out of it to be able to do it because that was, it's been on my mind since the day it happened, that these people should be recognized and uh so, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm just trying to stay focused on what I'm doing. Uh, it's something no one's ever done. It's, um, and, and to me, it's not a big deal. You know, it really is. And I've pushed beverage cars all over the world up there at 30,000 feet. The only difference here is, uh, you know, there's potholes and there's, there's uh, whatever, cars and buses. And, you know, uh, there's no elbows and knees going down the aisle like on an airplane. There's no turbulence. But, uh, you know, everybody's come, just stepped up. I, I'm amazed at the you know, I have to I, I have to recognize uh, Power Forward 25, the foundation, Kevin Stevens, my friend. Uh, for all of him and his sister, Kelly, Kelly um, Wilson, uh, this wouldn't be possible. I mean, she saw when I spoke with her, I could see looking at her that she knew what I was talking about, what I had in my head for 20 years. And she says, I'm going to help you get this done. She knew I was serious. But, you know, I'm not, for years I had this turmoil in my head over this and, uh, until I got myself clean and, and on the right track, I just, uh, you know, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. When I commit to Ground Zero on September 11th, I'll be six years sober. It's crazy. That's, it's like, that is it's amazing. Like, now, like, Logan Airport also was Ground Zero in the sense that that's where the planes took off. So I have to ask you this. Were you scheduled on any of these flights um, that were involved in the terror attack? Well, I, I was with the crew that left out of uh, the second plane, United 175. That crew there was, I was with them for two months doing that. That was my normal route, Boston to L.A. on one, flight 175. And September schedule came out, and when I did it, I couldn't hold the weekends off. So I flew out Saturday morning, and I come back Monday night at 8 o'clock, and that crew went out the next morning, Tuesday morning. So it just so happened. I just That's just the way it played out. I was I was a little bit more... Less seniority, I couldn't hold the weekends off, and uh, but I was, you know, I knew the ball, I flew with them all the time, and you know, uh, it was a lot of those stories, close calls, and people trading out of the trip, and uh, I was just very, very fortunate. But you know, it sent me into what, you know, my whole life changed, absolutely changed. You know, never, you know, never in a million years that I thought my life would go where it went, and uh, so. But I'm, I'm very fortunate, and I'm grateful that I'm here today speaking to you. This is the most important thing I'm doing right now is this phone call right here. Well, well, I appreciate that. But I've got to ask, up until 9-11, tell us about your flight journey. It sounds like you were, as I said, all around the world, 30,000 feet above 
the world uh, doing the flight attendant's job. What was that like? What was your experience like? Well, I I love that career. I I've I've flown with five different airlines. I first started out with well, all charter airlines until I went to work for United. Um, I started in 1981 with World Airways, um, and I flew all around with that, all around the world with that, doing a lot of military contract flights. So I got to see places that normal airlines don't go because you're bringing military personnel to different parts of the world. Um, plus a lot of you know charter stuff and. Uh, so it was beautiful. I, I got to see the world right away. Um, I, uh, I was uh, I did a CIA operation with one airline where we went in and rescued the Iraqi Kurds. Um, you know, there's some crazy type of flying that I uh, was fortunate to, to experience. You know, a little, a little hairy and scary, but but I'm grateful for it. I was younger when I was doing it, so uh, you know, I was able to see the world and meet people. I mean, I loved the job. No matter where I was, I just the thing about it was it was the, the people. But I worked it. I loved it. You know, I mean, I just loved to go to work. And when I worked it, it's a different, it's, there's something different about, uh, I, I, the average person, I guess you can't understand it. When you're up on an airplane, you know, even though you're, you, you, you depend on each other, even though you might have just met each other. You know, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm a flight attendant will come on in some city that is based, she's based somewhere else, but the minute she gets steps on that plane, we're like sister and brother. It's just automatic. You have to be because it, because when something happens, you have to respond real quick. You can't, you know, you know, you got to you depend on each other. So that the camaraderie with crew members is, is really it's uh, it's something that once you they say if you if you become a flight attendant if you last two years then it's usually your lifetime career. You know, a lot of people well, we like they about the longevity because. Unfortunately, flight attendants are in the news a lot more for their blow-ups. They're yeah. jumping out of a plane when they're distressed. And, and yeah. you're bringing a whole different angle to what these flight attendants do. So what's it like when you see a flight attendant get a bad name in the press? What a flight attendant gets a what? Uh, gets a bad name in the press. Like, what, what's that uh, like for you? Um, well, you know, something I, I understand. I can believe you. I can, see, I, the difference for me is I'm a, I'm a guy. I can handle myself physically. So... I, I, I have to sympathize with a lot of the girl flight attendants because uh, the stuff that we put up with is just crazy, you know. But, you, you know, it, the thing is, I, I could always anticipate it before it even happened. That, that's, that was a, a, something that I was, I, I, I was grateful I was like that. I could see the problem before it happened, and I usually stopped it before it even happened. You know, I mean, that, that's the key to the whole thing. Um, but what's going on when I see someone that's, you know, you know, I don't know, I never walked in anybody else's shoes. I, I learned from my own experiences that you you can't judge. You know what I mean? I, I, I always think of the first time a woman, I sort of had an argument. I was a brand new flight attendant. She wouldn't put the, her box up underneath the seat. It was blocking everybody, and I told her she couldn't have it. They would take off. And then it was sort of an argument back and forth. And, you know, I'd go back and left. I'd come back down. She was still there. And it, 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 it turns out it was a husband and an urn. And I'll never forget that. That was back in 1982 or something. And I'll never forget that because who was, you know, I didn't know that. I mean, I, you know, I mean, she, she was, she was in the, whatever state of mind she was in. It was a husband or whatever. And I just, it opened my eyes to, you know, something before you do anything, you don't know what's going on with these people, you know, or anybody. So when I, when I see a, a flight attendant just getting a bad name for something, I don't know what happened to her earlier in the day. And so I, you know, I don't jump to conclusions. I, I know what it's like to be put in a spot on an airplane by passengers, and I understand the passengers' frustration. What they go to, trying to come through the, all the security, all, all everything that, you know, it's not an easy thing today, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I, 
you know, the thing is, to solve the problem is to solve it before it starts. And, and, and I, I pride myself that I was pretty good at that. I could see it. When someone stepped on an airplane, I knew if there was going to be a problem with them or not. I just knew. I just knew. So I would attack the bird, you know, not attack, but I would, I would, you know, I would stop it before it even started, usually. You know what I mean? But, well, you know, you hear, you hear the story recently of someone that tried to hijack a cockpit in L.A., and it's like, are people still trying to pull, you know, stuff off? on these planes and and does, does that mean the flight attendant has to be even more vigilant post 9-11 well you know something um i, I just i can just tell you what's going you know first of all with the pandemic i i sympathize with them I, to be up there i really i give them a lot of credit to be up there flying under those conditions because you know that's crazy but security wise um there's a lot of things that the public don't know. There just is. And you can't let the public know. And not that I know that stuff, but there is a lot of stuff that, you know, there just is. I mean, it's, so it's not, you know, it's not an easy job, put it that way. It's not. I mean, because I, I tell you, on the, on, the, on, the, on the emergency conditions, anything that I've ever been involved in on an airplane, Every single person on that plane looks to me, or you know, looks to another crew member for the answer. Well, you know, how, you know, they don't have to say anything, but they, what do we do? Well, how do you, you know, that's how it goes. That's just how it goes. And, uh, you know, to be up there and to have something happen, and everybody looks at you to solve the problem, you know, I, I feel for a lot of people because, you know, situations are different. They could be whatever it could be. It could be a medical. It could be a physical fight. It could be, you know, there's babies involved. There's a lot of things that go on. But when you're up there, people people freeze. People, you know, there's something about when you're up there, people freeze. You know, they, and they, uh, so it's it's just, you know, it's not an easy job. People, you know, to be stuck in that middle tube for hours at a time, and and you know, they don't get much sleep either when you're jumping from one aircraft to nothing. You know, the flight attendants are going through the same stress factors that passengers are through security and all that stuff. It's it's not like the old days. We used to go around security; we could get through. But I'm now we got about that because you know a lot of people now say, well, you know, 9/11, they stripped up of, of our rights. They've been so invasive. But isn't that invasiveness helping save travel? And I'm sure that's also changed the flight attendant's job because you have to be more vigilant also on what people bring on the plane now. No, that's kind of policy since 9/11. Oh yeah, I mean it's the whole thing has completely changed. It's all it's you know. It's not easy, put it that way. It was a lot, believe me, after 9-11, it, it just was never the same. And, and what, you know, we used to have fun on the airplanes with passengers. I mean, we, we, you know what I mean? There was, one of, there was a guy from, that I used to have on my flight all the time, Boston to L.A. And I think he was from Boston. I'm not sure. I think his family was. But he was a famous, uh, what do you call someone that's quick with the cards and hands and, you know, one of the... You, I don't know what you call him, but, um, but you know, he, I, this guy, you know, after a while I get to know him, he was on the plane, and I would bring him to the back of the plane on a 767, big galley back there, and I would pick the, go and walk around and get about six or seven people, passengers, ask him to come to the back, and they he would all stand in a circle, and this guy would do his tricks for us on the plane, and I swear to God, people were missing their wallets and their rings, and they, it was amazing how this guy did it, he was, he was fabulous. But I, I, that's what it was like. I mean, if you could do stuff like that. 
You know, people, you know, a long flight, six, seven hours, people, it was nice to be able to do that and to change it up and, and to, you know, everyone enjoyed it. There was no fear. After 9-11, that all stopped. It all stopped. We couldn't trust anybody. Hmm. Paulie, Paul Benitos, who we talking to, a flight attendant for many years. Now, I know, I'm not going to ask you about mandating vaccines because United, actually, your flight, your airline became the first to mandate. I, I don't mind that, actually. I think that's a good thing. But let's, let's stay on topic here because, you had said you were here for 10 years after 9-11. Is that what I heard earlier? Yeah, I, I flew from, uh, I, I think a week after 9-11, it was my first flight. I got back on the aircraft, and I flew for another 10 more years. And how was that experience? You just said a few minutes ago it changed everything. So what was the experience like for you? How how buttoned up did you have to be, so to speak, and how how uh, how sharp did you have to be as well? I feel like there's a lot more people being sharper on the airplanes after 9-11? Oh, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty intense, I'll tell you, especially us in Boston that were, you know, where the two planes left out of Boston that hit the towers. We were the ones that we just, we, we noticed that a lot of us were, you know, we didn't know it, but we, we tried our best, but I know, I can only speak for myself. Um, you know, when I got on the airplane, I couldn't trust anybody. You know, we were hearing different stuff you know, now we've got air marshals came on board, so we'd talk with them, and you'd hear, you'd hear, you know, nobody knew really the two, uh, how they were coming off. There was a lot of stuff going around at first, so it was scary. You know, rumors were that we were finding box cutters on the seat cushions. There was, you know, a lot of different stories over here, so it was terrifying to come back to it. It really was. But we had to, we had to we, you know, we had to do what we had to do. So it was, uh, I really felt, you know, I, we, we, before 9-11, United, we had, I think, 26,000 flight attendants. Uh, after 9-11, we went down to 16,000. Now, that's between the layoffs and people that didn't come back. I didn't blame anybody for not coming back. I, I, you know, if I was a woman with kids at home, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have came back. I was a single guy. Was there a lot of other flight attendants that felt the same you did, the, the same kind of uh, emotional distress? Like, what oh, oh. on with fellow attendants over that stress and, and healed each other through it? Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, us in Boston, when we worked together, sure. I mean, that was the only time I felt any peace of mind is when I was at work, even though it was, a, the, you know, go to work and I was, I was, you know, we had that vigilant feeling all the time. I mean, you had to be on, I mean, I could, you, you couldn't drop a pin on an airplane if I was on it without me knowing about it. I was like a cat. Anything that moved on that airplane, I knew it. And that was just the way it was. I was so vigilant. So but when I was off the airplane, I, I felt alone. I was all alone. But when I was on the airplane, I, was, I don't know how to explain it. It was just the way it was. And um, because it was the only place I knew people understood how I felt. In other words, fellow crew members. So I felt some type of peace just being close to them. But uh, so the, that hypervigilant never changed to me. It was, you know, for 10 years of flying, every single time I was on an airplane, I was waiting for 9-11 to happen again. It was, you know, it's crazy. It's, you know, how I ever survived it, I don't know how I survived it. it really, well, it's, Boston, it's my... you know, Boston had their own tragedy at the marathon, and I have to include that in my question here, because once that happens in Boston, how, how did that affect you as well? Well, it, it did. It absolutely did. I, um, it was almost like, a, a, not as bad, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I remember it happening, and I felt... The emotional 
feeling like uh, it wasn't as intense. I have to be honest. It wasn't as intense, but it was there. It was like, I, I think I was getting sober at that time. And uh, it wasn't, um, it, I guess it was at the time. It's sort of in my own way, in my own secret mind, in my own way. You know, I, didn't, I didn't voice it to anybody, but I, I hated the way those feelings were. Like my skin crawled a little bit. Or I don't know how to, but I, you know, I, I had this, you know, but it wasn't as overwhelming to the point where I was, I, you know, I was like a zombie after 9-11. I was like just a walking zombie. I, you know, when I think back, when it's like it's amazing. Like it really is amazing. I survived when I survived, because uh, because I, you know, I, when I think about it, I, you know, ten years is a long time. And, you know, all that flying I did under the condition I was, is just uh, you know, a lot of times well, I. They have this thing called survivor syndrome. Do you feel that also? Do you feel uh, that kind of feeling? I guess absolutely. Yeah, I, you know. Of course, I of course survivor's guilt. Yeah, I, the thing with me was I wanted revenge. I got to just tell, I got to be honest. I wanted revenge, like like I can't even tell you. And the thing was, I knew that I was never gonna get it. That so it was I had a con, I had this conflict inside me, like I wanted payback for what they did to my friends. And also, I didn't want to give them give up my career. I said they're not taking my career. So I had this conflict going on. And, and I knew I would never, ever get relief from revenge. I couldn't get the revenge. Those guys were gone or whatever. I just couldn't get it. So I, I hated that. I was, uh, it was the turmoil that was going on inside me. I could never, I, you, know, I, how I, you know, that's how I was for 10 years in the airplane. And I had, a, I had a mask that. And not many people knew that, but I really, you know, I really did. I was part of the scenes. Um, I know that today. I know that, you know, I, another thing I realized that I'm starting to get, in other words, all of us hear music when we hear an old song, it brings, us, brings back memories of an old girlfriend in high school or whatever, an old whatever. For years, all that music, anytime something would come up, the only thing I thought about is crew members. That's the only thing I ever thought about. A sad song, a happy song, whatever. I, I went right to the crew members in my mind did. And, I, and since recently, I'm starting to realize, you know something? I never... I lost all that stuff because of 9/11. I, it's, it's weird that I that I, I realized that that I never, you know, I, I remember having those, you know, those moments when I'd hear a song and it would remind me of a high school girlfriend. I remember that stuff, but I, I lost that after 9/11. I did because I, I'm telling you, even, you know, just recently, a lot of, it's still still there, oh, pretty much. Not, you know, I'm getting some relief from that now. I think, but when I hear a song, I still think of them. The crew members. Why I lost that, I don't. I have no idea. It's, I have no idea. Paul, you just mentioned your friends, so I've got to ask you this. Um, you obviously told a few people, "Hey, I have this idea." Did you expect Paulie's push to go national, like it has? Um, well, to be honest with you, I um, I knew deep down in my soul I was going to do this, and I knew that I just knew that if I stayed on the right path, that anything is possible. I knew it, I had to get national coverage. I didn't, I didn't question how it was going to happen, what it was going to happen, who was going to happen, whatever. I just kept doing what I was doing. And, uh, and sure enough, I would thank you, God, I was right. Because I believe what I'm doing is right. That's why it's gone national and, and it's long overdue. Um, I'm just grateful that the people, 
you know, that I just kept doing the right thing. It goes, you know, I, I, I led you to do this too. I feel like you have a lot of faith in you as well. Say that again. Do you feel God has led you to do this as well? I, I think you've got a lot of faith in you from what I've learned um, for the last 20 minutes. Well, you know something? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, something greater than myself it pulled me out of uh, where I was to be able to do this. And I don't, I, I, there's a million ways I can explain it. Uh, I just know that it was a, a power greater than me, that's for sure. I, I look at it like my parents looking down at me. It's time. It's time. That's what I kept telling myself. They were telling me it's time. It's time. You know, you paid, you paid enough price. Let's go. It's time. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm grateful for that, for my upbringing. My, my parents were very influential in my life where, as a kid, they instilled stuff in me, and I probably never listened to them until, you know, everything they tried to tell me was right, and I never listened to them, but I know now what they were talking about. And uh, so i I, I got to bring it back to them. I, you know, I really do it. And I look up there and I, I know they're looking down and say, you know, something, you can do this. So. You know, do you, do you feel like you're also spurred on to do this for the love of America? I think you, anybody who does these type of events, you also love the country you're in, right? I mean, you love America so much that you want these Americans to be honored when the media doesn't really honor them. Well, no question about it. Absolutely. Of course, I love this country. My father's a World War II Marine. Um, uh, yeah, they were, they, were, they were Americans, those crew members, and, uh, and you know, of course, yeah, be, there's going to be a nice big flag on, the, on that beverage cart, trust me, and uh, because this is, you know, this is the country. Everyone wants to be an American. Everyone wants to live here. I mean, I'm so grateful I'm an American. You know, I'm so great, and I'm grateful for the military. You know, every guy, that, you know, I get my, my father, there were five brothers in the military in World War II. All of them made it back, and... Uh, yeah, I'm so proud of them. You know what I mean? Um, it's just uh, I, I got a picture that was I had blown up all five of my my father and his four brothers, and uh, they, they end up running into each other in World War Two and a picture of in, uh, Boston paper. It was crazy, but wow. yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's amazing. So yeah, of course these these people should be recognized as American heroes. Right? I mean, I love that I mean, line. I, I that is such a um... Uh, you need you bring us such a great perspective to this that, that not many people are covering. Paul, I got to ask this before I ask about the big fundraiser a week from today, because um, we're airing this on Saturday actually. And so, your background did did you want to be on in aviation when you were a kid? Is that where that started? Um, you know, I, you know, I think it goes way back as a little kid. I think I might have saw something on TV, and I was so intrigued about all these people in this tube going up in the air and it just like it was like a living room to me and that's pretty cool that's, i think that's because i never wanted to fly a plane i could care less how you know how they how they how the whole thing works you know as long as i know how to turn the coffee pot on on an airplane i'm happy um so that's as technical as i got but yeah as a little kid i just i i, I wanted to see the world i wanted to meet different people and uh and and I'm unfortunate that there were no wars going on in my era or whatever. I, you know, there's no military action going on, so I really didn't have to join the military to do that. Um, I could have, but I didn't have to, but because uh, this, you know, the opportunity was here to, you know, to uh, become. I said, why don't we become a fighter? You know, I do construction and stuff like that, but uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, just you know, the first airline I was with. I was like, this, this is, you know, 
you didn't have to pay me to do this job. I just loved the people I worked with more than more than anything. And then the, the places I saw and the people I met all over the world. And, I mean, it was a dream come true. Uh, you know, a guy. I'm, I'm a guy from a family of nine. You know, what I mean, and no, nobody's in the airline industry. Uh, they're all different careers. My brothers and sisters, and uh, I don't know. I don't know how I ended up. You know, I bring it back to my parents. Whatever you like to, you know, they were supportive of all of us, whatever we wanted to do. So I just happened to be the one that traveled all over the place. And I never got married. The rest of them all married and everything else but me. You know, it was just just something about seeing the world. So I'm very fortunate. What's your favorite flight then, if I I can ask you? What was your favorite trip to go on? Um, I have to sit well. Uh, I used to like, uh, I do a lot of vacation travel. A lot of people, they Uber flights out of Boston. I, like, I always like that because people are in good moods. Um, you know, there was a, you know, place, favorite place to go. I mean, um, I have to say Italy, even though I'm, I'm, I'm half Italian, but Italy was just so real to me the first time I went there. It was just like a, what I thought it would be, like from school. And, and uh, it was, a, you know, I was in, uh, I forget where I was, what part of Italy, but the cats are running underneath the table while they were serving us dinner, and it was just so real. So, that is, you know, very, uh, that, that is cool. I'm actually going to send this interview to a few of my Italian friends now that, they have, uh, that you have that connection, because I, I worked with a couple of people that actually traveled to Italy for work, so that's pretty interesting there. Well, um, my, family, my family had a wine company called, uh, uh, my father was from Barry, Italy, his family, but they had a wine company out there. I don't know the whole story behind that. but Well, I, so Paulie's Push is going to have a big concert a week from tonight uh, on August 14th, and you can buy tickets at eventbrite.com. It will be at the uh, Florian Hall, 55 Howard Street in Boston. Uh, Seven to eleven. What can people look forward to uh, should they come to that fundraiser next week? It's called Polly's Push. Never forget nine eleven concert and fundraiser. Well, I have two brothers that are musicians. They're both drummers, and both of their bands are playing. My older brother Peter's band is the Reminiscence, and my younger brother Joe's band is called Selfish Steam. Um, there'll be a lot of uh, my five sisters. Are, they get uh, silent auctions and all this, you know, a bunch of stuff going on. I'm sort of staying out of the picture of that because, uh, you know, that's just, I'm just trying to stay focused on pushing this cat. And uh, I'm just grateful that everybody, you know, come together to help me, you know, get, get this uh, mission accomplished. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be a good time. That'll be really some good music and uh, there'll be some, probably some surprises that I don't know about what they're going to do. I have no idea, but there'll be some some uh, pretty famous people will be showing up there. So it'll be something for $20. It's definitely worth it. And uh, I hope, uh, you know, whoever can make it, we we'll look forward to seeing anybody. 100%. Well, we'll uh, we'll see if, if this New Yorker gets up to Boston. We'll have to see about that. But for now, Paulie, so glad to talk with you. And I do look forward to meeting you somewhere along the road here and, and connect with you in person because uh, you got you got a story, you got a mission, and, and you're a great person, I could just tell. So, I'm going to stay in touch for sure and then hopefully see you soon on this big mission you've got. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm Alex Garrett, where, of course, we're always adapting, and we will continue to remember 9-11 because 20 years ago changed us all. And being from New York, working right by 9-11, the ground zero is just emotional every day. So I Mm -hmm. I want to highlight something more. But, Paulie, thank you for this mission and for honoring our flight attendants. 
and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. I'm Alex Garrett. We're always adapting. Talk to you soon as well.